We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to the special edition of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm not really sure which, I guess this fits into like an unplugged podcast but we are doing a uh reaction pod to what happened in the mock off season if you haven't heard the mock off season podcast go back in this feed it should be um either the next podcast up or one above above that uh it was a lot of fun we each took um two teams we had six people yes we had six people and one agent um we each got two teams and we simulated out the off season to figure out which free agents would end up where, what trades would happen and kind of how this off season would go. So uh, I'm Gabe Ibrahim. I had the uh, Washington mystics and the New York Liberty in the mock off season. I'm joined with by Richard Cohen who had the LA sparks and the Minnesota Lynx, and Ben Dahl who had Dallas and Las Vegas which leaves us with six teams that were outside of our purview, but we will be talking about what they did in this mock off season. So Richard, how you doing? Yeah, good. Good. Ben, you doing good? Doing all right. I don't think I got fired yet. Hopefully. Yeah. Everyone's super happy with their team, right? Everyone's coming into training camp. They look great. Everyone's lost like 10 to 15 pounds or gained 10 to 15 pounds. Everyone has worked on their shot in the off season. Everyone looks fantastic. Uh, coming into training camp, and we are very confident in all of our teams to win the title. Um, but we do have to get into kind of criticizing what happened in the mock-off season first. So I think the way to do this is we'll take it from sort of the teams that had the most on their plate. And I think that starts with Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, you had a situation where uh, all three of the team's best players in Chelsea Gray, Neka Gumake, and Candace Parker – along with Brittany Sykes, are all free agents in this offseason. So, Richard, as 
uh, the GM of the, the Los Angeles Sparks. What was just your thinking coming in? Was it just keep all these people at any cost or did you have sort of a point where you're going to blow it up? Well, I did think about, you know, sort of letting people walk, especially Candice Parker for all her qualities is getting a little old, getting a little old in the tooth. And I sort of thought, should I be letting these people go and then seeing who else we can attract with, you know, because lots of people like to come to LA. They're usually a free agent destination whenever anyone's available. But then you start to think, how am I going to get better than just trying to re-sign Candice Barker, Necro Gwimike, and Chelsea Gray? And especially once you hear who other teams are going to call, that really cuts into the top quality end of the free agent market this year. And there didn't seem to be a better move than trying to keep this group together and trying to go again. And at that point, you're just you're hoping they agree to take a little less in order to try and keep some other people. But ultimately, you're pretty much willing to go as high as it's going to take as long as that's vaguely feasible under the salary cap, which it just about is. Yeah, you may have problems like international. You, you, you guys talked me, talked me out of being able to get anyone all that cheap. I got a little bit of a, a, little bit of a reduction from Necker and everyone else got the max. Yeah, so what happened, what happened then, if, you ha- if, you, if you've forgotten what happened in the Markov season, uh, everyone just started bidding up. Uh, all of these players because it kind of became clear that uh, they would be going back to L.A., at least from my perspective as New York. I just kept trying to get after uh, Candace Parker. And um, I think Indiana was in on Chelsea Gray. Um, and you, yeah. you – so you court Chelsea. Um, is that just because she's the youngest? Yeah. Out of three? Yeah. That seems – because, I mean, you're not – you're not allowed to call Candice Parker because she's at the limit of uh, the number of times allowed under the CBA anyway. But So that left the decision between Gray and Necker or, or nobody. And yeah, I just felt like Gray's the youngest, maybe the most likely to leave if they were all UFAs. So yeah, we sort of felt like we had to, even, even if they indicate before the actual decisions have to be made that they're probably coming back anyway. We just felt couldn't take the risk. Yeah, and then man. I came in sort of I came in with the hope that everyone might take the basic max rather than the super max that they sort of agree to that to help me out and help keep the rest of the roster strong and then that didn't really go down that well unfortunately. <laughs> no. Uh Chelsea Gray ended up with a 4-year super max. Candace Parker ended up with a 2-year contract at the super max and then Neka Gumake took um 200,000 in 2021. And with max raises, which uh, I think I have the number a little off here, but ends up being just around 200,000 for the next three years. Um, so this is, this is the core of the Sparks. And I think, you know, I, I think you probably did what they're going to do. I mean, it's hard to kind of blow it up when you, do have, when you do feel like you have a team that can compete for a title, especially when Candace Parker is coming off her uh, unquestionable defensive player of the year, um, where no, no one has a problem with it. Uh, so it's it's hard. No, it would no, have been hard. For them. It would have been hard for them to hit the reset button. Um, but Ben, I'm interested in, in hearing. Like, do you think it's at all feasible that Neko Neko would be taking less than the supermax, given her position as the president of the player association? Yeah, I mean, I brought that up on the show, and I thought I thought that was kind of surprising to concede that from from that agent's perspective. But also, I think the sequencing of LA will be pretty interesting to see how that actually works out. Cause obviously they can just 
they could just, you know, work, come to an agreement on that behind the scenes. But when it actually plays out of who does get cored and like in this case, Indiana came in hot and they offered the four years to Candace. And then they also made the run at Chelsea Gray. And so just for them trying to work that out because they also want to get on with the rest of their off season to actually fill out the roster and hopefully like have some, have a, you know, a bench that they're comfortable with for the playoffs. But I was the, the thing about how it went for us too, was like going into it. And I guess going into this off season, Minnesota is like the team that's interesting to me. Like, I wonder if they're going to make a hard run at Chelsea gray, but mm-hmm. so I'm interested to hit, to hand that off to Richard because he had Minnesota. <laughs> did you think about yeah, that? I def- yeah, I definitely did think about that as Minnesota. Yeah. It's obviously, it obviously got a bit complicated because then you're trying to balance two, two teams at the same time, dealing with the same player. But yeah, that, because when, when I started thinking about who Minnesota would chase with that cap space, the, it's, it's difficult because they've got good players at, at most spots, but not beyond Collier and depending on whether you think Fowles is, is past it or not, maybe Fowles. Those are the only stars. So perimeter is where you start to think and you want someone who can shoot. But yeah, Chelsea Gray would, would help them and could probably play alongside people like Sims and Dangerfield and yeah, Dangerfield too. But in the end, with LA clearing her and then you would have to work out a deal. And yeah, I don't think LA are going to let her go necessarily. And I certainly wasn't as LA. Yeah, actually, that was one of the things that like overarching I found interesting was just like, I knew as New York, like I was just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall because whatever, we have two wins. So not married to any thought as to our future. Right. But it was hard for me to figure out what would be a proper value in these sign and trades, Um, not just for New York, but just generally. So I'm interested, like, what would you have been expecting if it came down to Chelsea Gray getting, getting, wanting to go to Indiana or New York or something? Yeah, I think that's difficult for us doing this as a mock because, that would that would happen in reality if a player decides they want to go somewhere specific and then the teams have got to work something out. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of hard for us to, to do hypothetically without like Megan deciding someone, you know, Chelsea Gray decided she loves Indiana and wants to go there and then and won't play anywhere else. Then I have to work out a deal and we have to come up with something. Um, I hope Kevin wouldn't mind me saying that he was willing to give up Kelsey Mitchell mm-hmm. in uh, – a deal with Indiana, which would at least have given us another uh, scorer, ball handler, who might not be necessarily considered as good as Chelsea Gray, but is certainly on a similar level. And also, fortunately for us, it's still cheap for another year, which would have helped us out with everybody else and keeping the rest of the roster together. So if I'd had to make a deal with Indiana, I think we could have got something done. Yeah. Yeah, no, Kelsey, that's that's an interesting return because that is someone who kind of helps you now and in the future. Like, she she's a restricted free agent next year, but that's not a deal breaker, and that, that would actually help you guys a lot. So that's an interesting one. There's no way New York could have beaten that because we weren't, you know, we're not giving up any first-round pick. Um, and we don't have well, this, many. This is the problem working out deals with you is New York. Yeah, it's, it's, there's not a lot there once you get past Sabrina and maybe the picks, but – Otherwise, you're taking sort of gambles on your various shooting guards. It's hard to make sign and trades unless you're forced into them. Yeah, I do, I do wonder how married they are to that first pick because um, 
to flip it to to Ben, like we had we briefly touched on a sign and trade for um, Alicia Gray, who ended up getting you you ended up trading her to Indiana along with Isabel Harrison, Kayla Thorin, and the number seven pick to Indiana for Victoria Vivians and the number four pick. And we talked about a, a swap of one and two, and then Jocelyn Willoughby. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't want to do that because I didn't think Alicia Gray takes us places. But um, how are you thinking about her, her value and what do you think of, of the return you got for her? Well, I mean, in a vacuum, there's nothing – there, there wasn't anything that made me not want to keep Alicia Gray for the wings, but then you had to step back. And then one, the thing, you know, I basically sat it, sat it out other than this trade, but one, you have 40% of your cap tied up in Mariah Jefferson, Astudu, and Isabel Harrison. And are any of those players long-term starters for Dallas? I don't think so. So like in a way, I think they're going to have to come to the grips, to come to grips with the reality of what they did uh, in the 2020 off season and how that might kind of affect them in the future. So this was maybe a little bit too preemptive of a, of a move. I mean, I, I don't know, just a guess. I think like, I think they'd be pretty scared of just losing Alicia Gray this off season, but if she's starting at the three, like what, what's Dallas ultimately going to accomplish in the next two years? Can they be like five seed? succeed if you know Arike and Satu you know continue to get a little bit better that's probably possible but like are they winning a championship in 2022 I don't think so and the thing that I think would put them over the top is landing another star or another player that's pretty close to it in one of these upcoming drafts and that player needs some patience too along with Bell Allery and Ty Harris who they just drafted so I figured you know I, I said it on the show that Isabel Harrison would have ranked, you know, the, the one of the, those three, the one I least wanted to give up, but she had some appeal to Indiana and hopefully, I mean, I was, I kind of assumed I could have also traded a studio to Atlanta to finally reunite her with the dream, but they weren't, they didn't seem very interested at least at, for the limited time that we were able to talk. So it was just like what, and, and you know, maybe you, you, you guys think of this differently, but it's like, what can you accomplish in the next couple of years if you re-sign her anyways? And you have, and just that compounding effect of, if I didn't do that trade, I don't think I could have moved another salary without paying a, a hefty price for it, which is the same thing they'd have to do in the future. So do you add Alicia Gray at a max deal, which I knew Indiana was going to give her on top of 40% of your cap on those three players? Yeah, I was also... Um... I do. I have some thoughts on that, but I was wondering, what do you think? Why uh, include Kayla Thornton in that trade? I mean, she's a free agent next year. Was it just kind of like that's a calculus? Like she's not the person who's going to take us over the top, so we might as well turn her into value now. The 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 final layer was to include Thornton and then the pick swap. So that was kind of what uh, Indiana would have wanted. Kind of one more thing to to be willing to do that with me. So. I threw, I threw Thornton in there. Um, you know, maybe there's some risk there. Maybe Thornton makes that look bad if she can, if she can improve a little bit as a shooter, because they do really, they could really use her defense, but you know, they went away from playing her huge minutes this, this season, although they obviously have a new coach now, but swapping from seven to four was also pretty, uh, pretty appealing to me too, to where now, now with two, four and five, you know, I think you're, 
know, good chance like you're going to get a big that you like at the top. You're going to get a wing who's playing some of those minutes at the three, and then and then you have you know you're going to get add one more of the top prospects in this class. So yeah, I think it's inter- in this exercise is kind of interesting because we're not we're obviously not really GM. So I feel like in Dallas it's much harder for them to do a move like this because they're you know Greg Bibb is still was the person who made the decisions last year. Is he really going to, you know, kind of publicly say, well, those decisions were a mistake at just a year later? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much cachet he has in the, the organization. You know, I'm sure he's, he's very well liked there. But um, I just always find th- those kind of things when we, are gonna, when we do these types of things, that, that thinking doesn't um, affect us, which is nice. And I think that, that enabled you to make this kind of move, which I thought was pretty good, frankly. Um, cause I, you know, I agree, I agree with what you're saying uh, in terms of what Dallas's future is and, and where they need to put their, where they need to put your, their eggs. Um, Richard, did you have any take on that, on, on, on that situation? I mean, uh, I would have to admit that I thought it was a, a fairly low return for Alicia Gray, a player that I actually quite like and would have happily taken in like Minnesota or would like on my team in reality. I understand the thinking to try and sort of clear the cap and so, but I'm not sure what you're going to do with that space. I mean, you didn't do anything with that space in our mock this time round. So is there going to be anything to, to go after next year to make use of losing gray and get using her to get rid of these other, these other contracts? I think I would rather just re-sign Gray and deal with the rest of um, the, the issues further down the line. I understand, yeah, I, I understand the thinking, but I don't think it's enough of a return to give up a player that good, who's also only 25. So she's pretty much still on the same kind of timeline and trajectory as the rest of the roster, which is going to get insanely young if you try and keep three more first-round picks on top of the ones that, you already kept the season before. Um, yeah, I'd rather try to use one of those picks to shed a salary, if necessary, rather than using Gray to do it. Because you already know Gray's pretty damn good. You draft someone at five or seven, who the hell knows? Well, then, well, my concern, too, to act swiftly on it was, like, I think that market might almost be entirely gone after this offseason if they have to make a move like that. Because I was trying to look at other teams, like, okay, I figured let's try to let's look at a stew to Atlanta, see if they're interested. I tried to see if New York was interested in a stew. But outside of that, you know, it's just like I would assume they drafted Ty thinking she'll be the starter at some point and Mariah Jefferson being banged up the last being banged up the last couple of years, I think they're just gonna have to hold on to her, regardless of what they want to do. And I think it's just maybe I just kind of gave too much weight to the unpredictable too of just if like Arike and Satu just being that good, the hope is that, you know, the next one of the next people that stars that becomes unhappy might actually say like, Hey, yeah, I want, I want to go play with those two. Yeah. No, like I say, it's a, I understand the idea. It's, I, I think I like Alicia Gray enough that I wouldn't have, wouldn't have made the same move basically. I agree. Although, I mean, there is some interest in Victoria Vivians. I think Vivians can be, Something yeah, that yeah, that's true. It depends also how much you like Vivian's. If you think she can come back from that injury to what we were starting to see signs of before 
she blew out her knee, then then maybe it would turn out great, yeah. But I would imagine Indiana were fairly willing to give her up given given that injury and then how much she struggled last season to, to return from it as well. This is also a little tongue-in-cheek, and this is the part people would never say in public too, but like also for that perspective, like one, as Dallas, I would I would swiftly congratulate congratulate Indiana on finally becoming good enough to – make the single elimination round, but then lose right away (laughs) while we're thinking bigger picture than that. And there could be somebody, uh, you know, just speaking very vaguely, there might be someone in the 2022 draft that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, upset (laughs) possibly tanking for, or Hey, if someone gets hurt, then we kind of downshift a little bit and, uh, and uh, try to maximize our chances there. Yeah. I do wonder if you guys are going to be too good though, because Dallas may just, I mean, Enrique just may be, you know, next year maybe into that range where she's too good to to lose enough games to get you into that number one conversation. She may get you into the single elimination round, um, same with Satu. But I don't think it's a bad plan. I I, I didn't – I don't – I'm with Richard. I think it's a little low of a return, but I do understand the thinking there. And I, I think it's, it's good big picture stuff. Um, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that's uh, <laughs> that Dallas is uh, is thinking like that. Um, I did want to shift over to uh, Washington, if if that's cool. I know they're my team, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about them. But um, we I, the DC had an enormous amount of stuff to do with almost everyone uh, a free agent: Latoya Sanders, Natasha Cloud, Tina Charles, Emma Mieseman, and Ariel Powers are all free agents along with Tiana Hawkins. Um, I think DC came out as unscathed as I expected uh, with Emma Mieseman resigning, Latoya Sanders and Natasha Cloud as uh, suspended contract players who can't negotiate with other teams coming back and uh, Tina Charles also coming back. But we, we did lose Ariel Powers to um, Minnesota. So what do you guys think of of what happened with DC, um, would you still put them in sort of a, a title favorites tier-ish um, right now as we're looking at the roster? I mean, I, I thought you did pretty well, all in all, given how many people are floating around and how difficult it's going to be to retain people. I think I'm not convinced in the real world that Miesemann's actually going to play, or well, certainly not until after the Olympics. And in I some ways, that, that would actually clean a lot of things up for you because that obviously removes a virtual max contract from your cap sheet. And then other people become a lot easier to re-sign and keep. Um, I was a little surprised that you called Miesemann. Do you think that's that's something that Washington would, would feel necessary to actually make a stay? Um, so my thinking there, I, I had a few options on the table because I didn't – I wanted to lock up aerial powers for multiple years. And I kind of felt like, well, I mean, we could core her. Um, but I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't expect her to get a kind of, um, I don't know. It was, it was, I was really thrown off because like the night before we did this, the agent, Megan Gower, emailed us and said that she expected Emma to play. And most of my planning was Emma's not going to come over. So we're going to have to figure out something to do just to kind of keep her on roster until she comes back from the Olympics. And then I was going to be able to do a bunch more stuff with aerial powers, but I didn't, I just felt like there would be a lot of people after Emma. I thought she would be someone that um, 
you know, we could negotiate down and we did, we negotiated down to $190,000. Um, and I kind of think Emma's more of a, is more of a long-term piece that we can't replace. Um, obviously this year we, we probably could have gone with Tina Charles and been fine, but in the future, we need Emma around because, you know, I love EDD. EDD is our, our superstar player, but, um, she gets hurt and we're going to need someone to soak up her minutes when she's hurt. And, you know, as far with Ariel powers, have Ariel Atkins, we have Maisha Heinz Allen who are going to come up with extension. So I was like, if I have to choose one, I'm just going to choose Emma. And that's why I quarter, but I'm not sure I'm with you. Like that's the thing that happens in this exercise as well Is like, we're not the team. So the team obviously knows a lot more yeah. about what Emma wants, what Ariel wants, what all these, what uh, Latoya Sanders break even prices, what Natasha clouds willing to play for next year. Like, those are all sets of information that just I don't have in this exercise that maybe the team has, but if they don't have it, they're going to be in a similar spot here. Um, but Ben, what'd you, what'd you think of, um, of uh, DC? Uh, they also picked up Candace Dupree and Raquana Williams. Um, we picked up Candace Dupree off the retirement waiver. Uh, but those are two players who I think Raquana Williams is actually a good fit, but um, those are kind of ancillary pieces. Yeah. Well, well, I guess I'm kind of surprised. My expectation was that there would have been um, more of a willingness to really break the bank to make aerial powers a bigger priority. Um, and again, to like not not being able to speak for Washington and Mike Tebow, like I don't know, like how in his head right now and going into February, like how willing is he or how much does he actually want to go into the season like kind of with a roster that he's going to have to play big with with mm -hmm. Delaron at the three because the thing with powers too is just like Washington's going to probably going to be still too good for a while to like have a chance to go get someone like powers also like in the future like it just and, and I think some of this ties together to where you know like Leilani Mitchell it was seen as this big home run for them like I don't like I wasn't too enamored with that contract. Like that's yeah. a protect, protected contract that's like adding up on their books. And she's what thirty six, and and she was good last year. But yes, I agree. Good for a team that barely made the playoffs, and it, she's not going to start next year, no. is she? No, so she's not. You know that that was something that was kind of uh, that might become a little bit of a constraining factor. So I guess the thing I would say too is Tina Charles. I think they are in a pretty good position to play hardball with her like because not only I don't know how many suitors she actually has because like that reported interest Phoenix had you know that ship has sailed they don't have the maneuverability to try to make that kind of play mm -hmm. anymore and it's just like you look around like where else is she gonna go so I think from that from that standpoint Washington should be in a pretty good position plus like the optics of it of like you forced your way here and are you really gonna leave without ever playing a minute and then you force your way to there your for credit. a championship and then you're going to, and then like, you're going to leave for money that, that I think is a, I think you're right. I think I agree with that. And then, and then Natasha well, cloud too, like the, sorry, the last thing is just like, I wonder, um, you know, she got 140. I wonder if she would expect a little bit more. I think her value clearly is higher than that. So I think, I think that's going to, but there's that the suspended contract element of it. So I, 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 that'll be interesting to see how that lands too. Were you at all tempted to just let Charles walk 
not make an offer at all, or at least nothing more than the uh, than the vet minimum. I was. Wasn't was coming back. I was, but I didn't think that would be what Washington would do. Um, and yeah, the other thing with powers, the, the thing with powers is I would have gone higher in in offering her something, but I didn't. I couldn't. I didn't want to go into next year because again we have all the same the same situation occurs except Ariel Atkins and Maisha Hines Allen are both restricted free agents. So I was like, well, is she really going to – I could offer her the Supermax for one year, but is that really going to be something she wants to take if she's going to Minnesota to get that opportunity to play more and to be more of a part of a young core and all that, which is what um, what her agent was saying in the mock-off season. So – but, yeah, I was, I was definitely tempted to do that with Tina. I just didn't – I didn't think Washington would do it, so I felt that it was, it was probably the right thing to do. Um, to bring her back. I also didn't expect like no one else to be interested in Tina Charles. Um, I'm not yeah, sure. Did, how did anyone else make an offer? No, no. And I was kicking myself because I offered her 140 off the bat. I was like, well, damn, I could have got her points. <laughs> I thought about it as Vegas, just like, hey, you know, you got a good relationship with Bill Ambier, but she can be the fourth big on Vegas. She might. I don't know. I don't know what she – I mean, I think she wants to be in Washington. Um, so that goes back to your point of, like, them playing hardball with her. But I just don't – I don't think um, D.C. is the kind of organization that plays hardball with that type of player, especially when they've given up so much. Because, like, the optics go both ways in terms of yeah. her forcing her way there, but they also gave up a lot to, to get her. They don't have their first-round pick this year, um, which would have been awesome to have. Uh, speaking as their GM in the mock-off season, it would have been awesome to have a, a first-round pick as high as the one that they have. Yeah, number um, five. Yeah, it's a number five pick, so it would have been really nice to have that. Uh, unfortunately, we do not. And so we kind of, I kind of felt like very pressured to do that. On Cloud, I, I would love to know what her break-even price is. What's the price that she's just going to say, I'm not playing this year or something? Because um, if she's just willing to say, hey, because that's the thing. Like, if, if, Bo, if Latoya Sanders and Natasha Clyer are willing to say, hey, like, we'll just play for the minimum this year to win another ring and then we'll get back out in the market. That opens up all the possibilities and I don't have to worry about it. Um, I can kick that can down the road a little well, bit I don't know. more. I don't know if Sanders has very much leverage either at her age and right. she's going to have some massive market. So then like a question for you then I think is interesting and we're, I'm asking you this on the spot, but all right, it's so for the sake of this, let's Emma Smith's playing. It's game five of the semifinals. You're playing Seattle they brought their team back who's who's the five that's on the court with the roster that that we have as a good that's a great question we'll have to figure that out during the regular season um but right i mean like as a as we stand right now obviously cloud um then i go atkins i i probably it's tough because the mat it's it's all matchup based but yeah tina charles is probably not in that in that finishing roster. I'm probably going Cloud, Atkins, Heinz Allen, Misaman, Deladon, depending on what I need. But I would probably say I would even have Charles, if Sand, if Latoya Sanders looks as good as she did in our championship run, I'd probably have Charles behind her. So yeah, it is it is a bit of a, a cluster here in the in the front court. I, yeah, I and none of those players, players are really threes. No, no, none of those players are really threes. Although I don't, I mean, like, guarding somebody like Alicia Clark, I don't think that's a problem. Um, but like that, so that, that's, that's an interesting question because like, you know, they played big in 19, obviously 
in a lot of big moments. And the Heinz Allen part of it is kind of looms large over Sanders and Charles. Mm -hmm. But I also, you know, I think to what you said about Tina too, I think you did uh, take a realistic approach with her because like, I just would, I just, again, just like, this is just like a gut feeling, but it's like, I think, I think Mike Tebow is going to let Tina Charles close games until her play shows that she shouldn't be. So that would, have to, that would just have to be Deladon, Meesman, and Charles. But that was also why I brought up Powers, because if you don't have her to play a more traditional lineup, if you need it, um, I don't know, like if you're playing Vegas, I guess, as an example, you're trying to guard Angel McCautry, I don't know. Then who, who's the third perimeter player you put out there? Kira Leslie? Yes. Maybe she can get there, but. No, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like a hundred percent in, but I believe in her. And like at, at this point where that's, that's who we're going with. So yeah, maybe, maybe I should have prioritized uh, powers a bit more. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like that's, it's tough. It's tough because I really, I think, I think we can get away with Heinz Allen at the three most of the time. Um, because yeah, like she has to cover range of, Oh, go ahead, Richard. I was going to say, this might be the right off-season to trade Heinz Allen at the absolute height of her value. And if she's playing behind all of these other veteran forwards next season, she's not going to have the opportunity to make as much of an impression as she just did playing in the bubble. So if, and if you're going to try and keep this veteran core together for like more than one season as well, then do you really want to pay her next year coming off this the rookie contract? So if you're going to ship her and if you can get anything else back that's that's reasonably young and reasonably cheap this might be the the time to trade her that's a good idea i didn't i didn't i didn't pitch it to gabe because i wasn't going to do this obviously with the with the approach i took with dallas but i think that's gonna that's gonna be a fake trade i'm probably gonna write about at some point is heinz allen to dallas for some package of picks and or maybe one of their young players because you know from dallas's perspective like is she really a center but you know, in like in pract in practicality, like will they just say like, hey, you know, she had this awesome season. This is a chance for us to not have to just wait out a bunch of draft picks to get better around Arike and Satu. And then obviously for Washington, that's if you can turn, you can spin one person and do a couple a couple a couple more shots to add some depth. Especially if they actually do lose powers, or if they just they just pay her in the you know the unsaid thing with Misum and you mentioned at the beginning too. It's just you know, it's probably safe to assume, right? They have some kind of understanding um, beyond whatever coronavirus dictates in terms of travel, the Olympic schedule and whatnot. But, you know, you're going to have a good understanding of what Emma wants to do right as Washington. So, yeah, no, I think, and that's, I think that's the biggest problem with Washington and this exercise, just like that gap of information between me, a fake person, a fake GM and them, the real team who's been in contact with these people all the time. I mean, because it's also, like, not a given. I'm pretty sure everyone's playing. But it's not necessarily a given, like, Tina's coming back, EDD's coming back, Cloud's coming back, Sands are coming back. All those players decided not to play last year. Natasha Cloud's decision was a little different. Um, but the other three decided not to play because of, because of coronavirus. Guess what? Coronavirus is, like, still here. And that's going to be yeah. around. That's going to be around when they're making these decisions. And we may not necessarily know what the timeline is. Um, I think it's fine to assume that they're all going to play, but I, I, it is, it was super tough in that regard um, for me. But you know, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not happy. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't stress over that in the same way that, you know, you can't, you can't snipe at the Tina Charles trade in hindsight. Well, oh, look, they gave up what ended up being the number five pick. Yeah, because they knew that Deladon and all these other players weren't even going to play this season. Yeah, for, for the Dallas trade, you guys can send us back our pick for Mike Johns. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do you guys want to move to Seattle, which ended up not being that interesting, but they do have – they are kind of interesting coming into the offseason. Um, they brought back Alicia Clark, Natasha Howard, and Sue Bird. Sue Bird again, Supermax. Uh, Alicia Clark taking the regular max for three years. Natasha Howard coming back for slightly above the max – for uh three years um i think the the thing that was most interesting to me was natasha howard um because i feel like she's the one who's gonna want to move somewhere because I, I think she want i saw her tweet or post or some on some social media thing um about wanting to win mvp so i wonder do you guys think like she of obviously super it's probably not going anywhere um but the other of Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard, the player that's most likely to move is Natasha Howard, even if she's core, because she could you know, force her way out in the same way Tina Charles did. It makes the most sense as for other teams who want to target, <laughs> to put it more, uh, to put it that way instead. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think that's much of a question. It's just a matter. And that's why I don't think I was, I doubt any of us were surprised at all that, that Pelton decided to core her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly started to think that, that Seattle will probably call Howard, especially in, in the hope that the loyalty and the amount of years that, that Clark has been there already means that she'll stay anyway. Yeah. Well, Whether then, then a trade happens, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, it's Depends how comfortable she is as, as the third banana at best. Yeah. No, I think, you know, she... The issue now, though, for... Um, for Seattle becomes, you know, the next couple of years because Brianna Stewart needs a new contract next year. Jewel Lloyd needs a new contract next year. So I just wonder if, if him, like who, I guess the, the odd woman out here is probably Jewel Lloyd in terms of getting that, that big Supermax deal next year, right? I think they'd be assuming that Bird is going to retire. So then you've got a big contract coming. And then you've got, hopefully then you re-sign Lloyd to the big contract and hopefully you end up paying your point guard less, although who knows who that point guard's going to be. I've become less and less convinced that, that Canada's actually going to be good enough to be the heir apparent. And she's a restricted free agent next year as well. So she does... So again, enough. yeah, how much would that cost? Yeah. Yeah, the, the bird part of it, like Richard said, and then I, I guess I would almost see the opposite of... I think you just... If you're Seattle and, you know, you want to keep winning you have to do what you can I think it's just you have to give unless unless it just gets to a point where she just asks out I think it's just more I would think you'd have to give Natasha whatever she wants mm-hmm. in terms of a contract and the tougher decisions come I think with Alicia Clark in terms of years and just how, how much and what she wants in terms of a salary and then you might just have to you might just have to endure some pain with the bench, but that that might not come until until the following season, as far as filling out the roster, quite as much. Yeah, and I think I and think you kind of just have to go okay. for it. Sorry, uh, I just think you have to go no, for I was it. Say that, figure it out. I was going to say that with Howard, you could do the the move you see more in the NBA, where 
you sign the you sign the player, and then if you have to, you you trade them further down the line. But you don't want to lose the value for nothing. So you you give them everything they want, sign them, and then if you need to further down, then then you can get something back. I mean, we don't know how good Magbagor is going to be yet. If she really flourishes over the next couple of years, then maybe she becomes your Howard replacement. But she's pro- she's probably not ready to be that yet. So you sign her, and then maybe two years, three years down the line, you've you've got a ready-made replacement. That's true. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing with Seattle is on both sides of the ball. I just don't think they they can really mess around with uh, you know asking Natasha to take less if they feel that she would balk at that because just Mercedes Russell's good, but she's going to take something off the floor offensively in the playoffs off the table because she just, you know, she doesn't stretch out to the three-point line. And as you might get there, I don't know, two or three years from now, you know, on, on both sides, she, just, she, isn't, she isn't at that same level as, that Natasha is. So they, they might kind of have a, a bridge at some point, but I don't think, I, I, I think it'd be, uh, it'd be getting too cute if they, if they even did take, mm-hmm. that, take that approach. I agree. I agree. I think yeah, I was... in, in real life, I don't, I don't think they get the, the 20 grand discount that Kevin got in our mock. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And I mean, that discount helped him out in terms of keeping the most of the rest. He lost Whitcomb, but most of the rest of the roster together. Yeah, they lost Whitcomb, picked up Sidney Weiss. Um, wait, how did they pick up Sidney Weiss? I don't remember that. I had to give, give her up in order to make the Sykes deal match. Right, and before we get to other teams, we should talk about the Sykes deal because as New York, we signed Brittany Sykes to an offer sheet um, at like at 120 and think because uh, the GM of the Los Angeles Sparks had done the math and said that they could only go up to 105 or something. So we signed her at 120, thinking we'd get a great deal um, for two years on Brittany Sykes. And then somehow the LA Sparks match it because they're going to end up cutting – uh, Tierra Ruff from Pratt. Um, I think you guys had to, you guys probably had to do that in the moment though. So I... we had to make the Weiss move in the moment. Whether we have, I don't think we really had have to cut Ruff and Pratt initially because you know, the cap and we can stay, you can stay under with only 10. But obviously, in reality, you have to have seven on opening day. So chances are in LA, Ruff and Pratt is gone in order to keep Sykes. But yeah, that's that's another element where it's probably not realistic because both sides would do the math. You'd offer more than the 120. You'd have just gone higher. And then I probably, without a lot of help from trades and moving on, I probably wouldn't have been able to match. Although in reality, I'd have four days to get that done rather than the, the 30 seconds that I had to try, try and sort things out on well, the if podcast. Willing, if you were willing to cut TRP, that, would have, that probably would have taken me out because I, I wasn't going to go that high for Britney Sykes. Um, I didn't, I mean, I, I like her. I just was not, um, I don't think she, she takes New York to a, a much better place. Um, but she, yeah, I was nice sort of thinking about whether, I was thinking about whether it was possible to up, if, if we'd managed to get the, the three stars to take a little less, whether it was possible to upgrade from Sykes and get, you know, Alicia Gray or Ariel Powers or someone like that to play that wing spot and maybe be a slightly, slightly better player, depending on your opinion of, the various wings that are available, Kayla McBride as well. Yeah, no, I, re- I actually let's move to Las Vegas. Let's move to Las Vegas. I did want to talk about Kayla, uh, Kayla McBride, who you brought up. Uh, ben, you were you were you had Las Vegas. Um, what was your plan? I mean, uh, you you cored Cambage, you brought back Kayla McBride for one hundred seventy five thousand. 
you bring back Daniel Robinson on a minimum and you snag Tiana Hawkins from Washington on a one-year $110,000 contract, which that negotiation ended up with me trying to offer Tiana Hawkins like an extra $39 and it did not do the trick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could have kept going higher if I really wanted to, too. Yeah, I kind of figured. So I just, I let it go at some point. But it was a nice... I think you you filled out the team. Um, do you think there's any there's any thought in Vegas to let Cam Beige go? Or I mean, I are we expecting her to play this year? Actually, not that we have insider information or anything. Just yeah, I don't know. I mean the the top the topic of like should they even entertain that 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 one? I just I don't see the logic at all when that comes up. Like I see like oh well, they made the finals without her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are seven of the eight playoff teams next year going to play without having their actual whole teams together? Good luck if you think you're just going to make the finals again because you did this year. You know, uh, I don't think – I mean, I can run off the names. I don't think Christy Tolliver and Sylvia Fowles and Brittany Griner and a healthy Bria Hartley and Diamond Shields and Azrae Steven and John Quill Jones and Elena Deladon, should I keep going? I don't think all those players no. care that they, or are scared that last year's Vegas team made the finals it's going to be a much harder road. So that part I never understand. Cause if you're going to like proactively seek out something else, cause I, I mean, I also wonder if people, if at least some players around the league would kind of not, you know, not care for that too much. If you've tried to make this big statement about how you take care of your players and you made this trade to acquire her. And then if you're going to proactively test other waters, well, what are you going to do? I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm sure Candace Parker, there are, there are, you know, people that want to send her everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but are you, I don't think as Vegas, I wouldn't, I don't think I would consider, if, if, if Liz actually did want to return to Vegas, I, I certainly would not, as Vegas, go the route that Indiana did offering Candace four years at her age, as opposed to Liz, if she does want to play. And looking elsewhere, like, if it's like Neko Gumake or Natasha Howard, if that's possible, maybe, but also like at that point too, like wouldn't you just rather start Dierka Hamby? Mm-hmm. We also need to keep happy and extend. Not not to say that Hamby is maybe is quite that player right now, but I think it's probably pretty close. So I, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't really see a reason to, uh, again, I think that'd be a, I think that'd be a case of getting too cute, but maybe the, maybe there's there's certain things you know about some of these players so i don't know did did uh did either of you see more to that than no. to just bring back cambage if you can no. uh, the only reason you would leave, you would get rid of cambage is to is cuz she doesn't want to play there or um yeah. you know I, I was a little worried that she wouldn't come back but once once in our simulation she's coming back of course you want her uh, especially if you're insistent on starting a center next to asia wilson anyways yeah, I'd have done the same thing. I'd have called Cambage to to try and make sure, or at the very least, force to get value in a trade if she decides she has to play somewhere else again. Uh, obviously, the problem with that is you're leaving uh, McBride to be an unrestricted free agent. But I think Cambage is is too valuable, even at the sort of showing up one year in two most of the time kind of level. You you can't just let her walk. Was there was there a reason? You only offered one year because I think I think you only offered one year anyway. That was certainly what she signed in the end. Yeah. Well, we didn't uh, we didn't get to have very much much of a back and forth 
I think with, with more time, I would have probably laid out a few more options because, and maybe I would have tried to extend Hamby first to know what her number was going to be. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, it was, it was kind of, uh, I kind of got, and, and one part I left unsaid too, was I, I came in with that number for McBride, which just matches Kelsey Plum's salary, you know, her starting backcourt running mate. Um, I thought I, I, the, un, uh, the unsaid part is I would have thrown in the contingency that, which we ended, we did, did end up striking out on adding another perimeter player that they could have just bumped her up if maybe they'd come to a verbal agreement and then just bump her up as high as they can later if they didn't get anyone for the one year. But looking to the next year, knowing Asia's jumping, Asia Wilson's jumping up on the extension that we signed her to. If Cambage is still playing, that's a max salary. Hamby's getting at least some kind of raise. You would know it would just get tough at that point. So, yeah. Yeah, I forgot you guys did that. You guys, you guys signed her. You guys signed Asia Wilson to what a four-year extension, full, absolute full maximum. Yep. Yeah. Also, I lucked out because no one else really made a hard run at McBride in this exercise, so <laughs> I didn't have to. Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be that easy in, in real life. I've, I, yeah. I think that one's going to be more difficult. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Minnesota getting aerial powers helped me out. That took out one suitor and, and L.A. Yeah, she was definitely one of, one of our options. Yeah, and, and L.A. being so strapped. And obviously, you know, Dallas, as an example, could take a polar opposite approach and they try to actually sign somebody. Um, or Indiana if they just don't get Alicia Gray. So for Vegas too, it's just like, I think this idea that you already see out there that Liz and Asia can't play together. I think that's crazy. I think that's like legitimately crazy. Like we just ignore the fact that they traded for Cam Beige. She arrived once the, I was there at their preseason game. That was when Liz arrived in Las Vegas. And then Asia missed what 20% of the season with an ankle injury that like they haven't played together. And neither of them has played with a player like this. So to just say after, you know, a portion of a season when, you know, they, they pushed Washington pretty hard, Washington was a little banged up, but I, I just think it's crazy that people seem to already want to want to give up on that. Like, yeah, I, you better have something incredible lined up if you actually like have that much conviction about that. Yeah. No, I, I do think that is insane. Um, and especially just like the way that they play is very conducive to those two players playing uh, next to each other. Um, I do want – I'm with Richard, though. I definitely think someone – I I wanted to make a bigger run uh, at Kayla McBride as New York, but my team only has two wins, so it's really hard to convince her that she's going to look great in our system and that she's going to do all these things if I can't really offer her um, a ton a ton beyond what uh, Vegas was offering her. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a – and it's just a knee-jerk reaction to people saying Asia won MVP, whatever, whatever. Asia would much rather win the championship than win MVP. <laughs> I think that's clear. I do think one of the elements that sort of emerged in this exercise was that some of these players are probably going to get squeezed out of what you think think they might they might get because they they were sort of certainly the the money on the good teams is going to run out. And then there's not going to be somewhere, unless you're willing to play for someone who's currently pretty bad, there's not going to be somewhere for someone like maybe Sykes or maybe Brianna Jones or someone like that to actually go and play for. You're going to have to take less money or you're going to have to play for someone fairly ordinary and try and make them better yourself because we, we ran out of options basically for, for places to, for people to go. Yeah, and it happened fairly quickly. Um, 
So I do want, I do wonder how much a, how much a squeeze is going to happen here. Um, I wonder how much a squeeze is going to happen next year too. Because let me see how much cap space I have on my on my sheet for next year. Um, let's see. Yeah, I have Chicago has a ton of space. Washington has a ton of space, and LA has a ton. Of sp- I mean, Las Vegas has a ton of space, but you'd assume all those teams want to bring back all their players. Then you come up to Atlanta and Connecticut and Lord knows what's going to be happening in Atlanta by that point. That, so, yeah, that's still, that, but even, even that's, that, that's more theoretical space, even for most of those teams. I mean, yeah. Washington, yeah. you're re-signing Miesman if she wants to that's play. You're re-signing Cloud to a huge contract, mm-hmm. especially with Powers already out the door. Ariel Atkins is getting a new deal. That's going to be a huge bump. Hines Allen if they keep her. So, I mean, you can already cross one of those teams off. Connecticut, John Quill Jones is going to get a new deal. Yep. Um, you can cross off pretty much all of the ones I'm in. And Chicago, if things go well, I don't think they're going to blow it up. Well, in Chicago, in Chicago's, this is their, this is kind of the last season of this window because they got, they got that whole that whole Diamond to Shields rookie class with Diamond, Gabby, Azra Stevens mm-hmm. are all going to hit restricted free agency mm-hmm. at once. So it just yeah, they get really complicated next year. Yeah, and that that all brings it back to how I was thinking as Dallas of just. You know, it's it uh, it doesn't. And it also kind of ties in, I think, to the rea- to the reaction to Minnesota's 2020 offseason. Is oh, they didn't get anybody. Like it, yeah, it sucks if you strike out. But like when you're talking again about really a field of like two or three players every year that might actually be gettable. Like you just everyone can't come home a winner, and the cooler heads do can prevail when you know if you if you just don't make mistakes. And that ended up benefiting Minnesota this year because they were able to get someone that more matches their timeline than perhaps they would have gotten last year if they got, you know, Skylar Ding and Smith or whoever else they went after, Dewana Bonner. Um, I do imagine Minnesota is going to be more aggressive than they were, but I don't, I'm not sure they're going to be any more successful. Um, I mean, than they were in this exercise yeah, I mean, because of what they did last year. I'm not. I wasn't really like I said. I wasn't really sure who to chase for Minnesota, but a lot of the big names were taken off the board really quickly. You know, I'd have been tempted by Alyssa Thomas as yeah. a, a, a interesting front court, front court alongside Collier, but I mean, she got called and then agreed to the four-year max, super max, right off the bat, and then Howard's getting called and Necker eventually resigned and so on and so. So a lot of the na- big names went that you would sort of think about chasing and then once once that happens it was sort of get one of the one of the good wing players and probably settle for that and then again they're going to have more space next year someone else comes up that's that's a big name and available the replacement and they're obviously a winning franchise so that attracts people even if you know Minnesota isn't exactly a destination city but winning means you get players on the developing players too i think that's a huge selling point um and they have good facilities, um, which are, these are all things that, again, it doesn't, I really, I think this exercise was really good. And I think it was um, more realistic than, than I kind of expected, but there are a lot of stuff that we just don't know. Um, did, I did want to hit on Connecticut. Actually, I kind of wanted to hit on some of these teams and you guys can kind of just stop me when you want to say something. Yeah. Just well, I can go sure. on Minnesota quickly while we go were ahead. there. Go ahead. I, yeah. I thought, I thought that was a good approach just because, we don't. You don't know with my more what's going to happen. Sylvia Fowles. How much longer is she does she even want to play? And at least for this year, you know she's on a on a bargain, uh, on a bargain contract. 
I think the same thing for Dantas. I think that's a bargain to have her at that extension. Uh, to Zandalcini maybe could be your starter, but I do think Powers is a better player. And I think that was a good name to chase. So then beyond that, I'm not, I'm not really sure what you do. I think the, I think kind of the top line thing is like, could you get an, a, a, someone that's a good scorer, but also a good shooter in that two spot next to Dangerfield that can actually do mm-hmm. a little bit with the ball in her hands in a playoff setting so that Dangerfield doesn't have to do it all because, you know, when you need your five, five point guard to create something for you with Seattle blitzing you at the top of the floor, like good luck. That's going to be, that's going to be pretty tough, but, and Alyssa Thomas was a, that's an interesting name to, by the way, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, AT and, and Collier would both have to be comfortable guarding centers and willing to do that, but they, they, they could maybe make that work and be uh, be pretty dynamite well, in transition. Well, I mean, they, they could play 3-4 next to fouls, theoretically. That's part of, part of the other problem with Minnesota is that they're, they're two teams. They're two different teams depending on whether fouls is there or not. So, I mean, both of you guys know that I did sort of talk around maybe trading fouls. Sort of <laughs> it was floated. The, the sort of the, the vague possibility just sort of floated it uh, because then – then you sort of lean into going small. You, you move Dantas to the five, you move Collier to the four full-time, and then that opens up more opportunities. You go after another wing player. Maybe you try and get McBride and Powers, and then they're 2-3 they're on, the, on the wing, and you just play small and, and try and get more shooting on the floor. But, but yeah, I, I didn't think... Because like you say, Fowles is still quite cheap, and I didn't think there was really enough on offer for her to make, make that worth doing, because she's still a hell of a player. If she can come back healthy, yeah, and hopefully she will. I mean, I know I know Minnesota had uh, just from the Lexi Brown situation, they had a tough time rehabbing generally in the bubble. And I don't know how much that affected um, uh, fouls, but I would imagine it's a much tougher thing to kind of try to rehab in Bradenton, Florida, when you don't have a lot of things around you to to make that happen. Um, well, I did. So I did want to go. So don't go like too long here. I did want to talk about just like kind of rapid fire um, some players that, that I think are of interest. Like Jasmine Thomas, $170,000 for one year. Um, I found it interesting. I think I went after her with New York. I went after everyone with New York. But regardless, I, I thought it was interesting that she kind of ended up there because um, I think she – where how far apart do you see her and Kayla McBride? Because I kind of had them in the same sort of – uh, range, but it seems like there's more interest for McBride than for Thomas, no? What? I mean, McBride's younger as well, which I think would make more teams interested in her as sort of a part of the building process rather than being your vet leadership. Yeah, McBride, McBride's a little bit long, younger, and yeah, she had a slow start to this season, but like you just have to be able to look at the player and like say like what mm-hmm. what kind of player is this and you know that McBride is is someone that you can really trust to play around pretty much at anybody with especially with how much she's bought in defensively the last couple of years I mean remove yourself even from the exercise or even just stay specific to it like where I think Jasmine Thomas is one of the maybe more sneaky under uh, kind of underrated figures of the offseason just because if she, if they do struggle to find a price, obviously that that can hurt Connecticut. But where's the offer going to come from? Like, what team mm-hmm. is going to pay her a huge contract 
to come be a to, to be a starter. I think I think New York could make sense to play her next to Sabrina, but are they just giving up on Leja Clarendon, who has a year left? And you know, Walt Hopkins and Leja have a you know pretty mm-hmm. storied relationship, and are they just gonna? And then other than that, like Indiana, well, they signed Eric, re-signed Erica Wheeler, who also I wonder maybe tying her to Wheeler. I don't know how much if Wheeler is gonna have this massive market either. Yeah, Wheeler was another thing that was interesting. Atlanta, Atlanta. I was going to say back to Atlanta, but they've obviously got a lot of guards already, so it depends whether you think you need a point guard. Yeah, Atlanta didn't do much. They brought back uh, Benajelani, three-year deal starting at $170,000. Yeah, I think that's – that would be an interesting landing spot, but, yeah, then they would have had to trade somebody uh, because you don't have enough ball for all of those players – you may not have enough ball for all of the players you currently have, you know? Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't see it for Atlanta. I don't think they're going to draft a point guard. I don't think they would sign one. It's Kennedy Carter, and then, you know, they also have Tiffany Hayes and Courtney Williams who are going to have the ball quite a bit, and Laney if, if they re-sign her. Yeah, I think Atlanta's actually interesting in, in – more interesting in real life than they are in this exercise because they may decide, you know, we need a, we need to get – uh, to a, 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 a roster that makes a little bit more sense for us to try to really make a run um, because I'm not sure. I mean, Nikki Collins had a rough couple of years there. I'm not sure how, how secure she is in her, in the job. I mean, I think she's a great, I think she's a really good coach, but that only goes so far when it's not coming out on the court. I don't know I, if, if that's, if that's how people are really thinking, I'd point back to some of these, recent stories in Indiana and New York too. It's like, okay, you moved on from your coach. Why? Your team wasn't very good anyways. So what, like, what are you like Atlanta, like Atlanta would have been a playoff team if like, mm-hmm. if they had their whole team this year. So I just don't. And I think the question for them is just like, they have to build around Carter. That's going to be your point guard. And, you know, can't Courtney Williams and Tiffany Hayes aren't point guards. And so I think it comes down to the trio of Laney Hayes and Williams. Do they all want to start? And if they aren't cool with it, maybe they have to do something. But they need to stretch big. Like, that's what they need to be more competitive. Like, they need someone that can actually shoot the ball because no matter how good those four players are on the perimeter, if you're trying to score with Monique Billings and Elizabeth Williams, who can't score outside five feet from the basket, they're not. They're just not going to be good enough. They definitely need some kind of upgrade inside, yeah. I, I don't know who it's going to be, but, yeah, they've got to chase some kind of forward. That that's that that's one of the maybe one of my nitpicks too is that they wouldn't have at least tried to get in on Candace Parker, Neko Gumake, Natasha. I mean, really any any of those players, right? Just even maybe even Cheyenne Parker. Just like I mean, she can shoot at least. Like she had a nice a nice shooting season this year. Just someone to open up the floor a little bit for them. I think that they're gonna naturally need to be a little more because if they do it through the draft, like do you draft a Watt Kuyer? But is that gonna get you? Uh, you know, you're, you, that would have to be more of a of a long term kind of development, which where which where you started, maybe maybe they aren't, uh, maybe they're a little worried about taking a, a ultra patient approach. Well, they also have yeah. It, the thing is, this group is is going to be. I mean, next year, Williams, Strickland, Hayes, and Elizabeth, uh, Courtney, and Elizabeth Williams. Those players are all unrestricted free agents. Monique Billings is a, a is a restricted free agent. So, I mean, if you really believe in this core now's this year's the time um and just try and parker signed a three-year max deal to go back to chicago um 
But Richard, you were you were about to say something that cut you off. Someone like if you sign if you draft someone like Kerr, she's going to end up if she even if she's good, she's going to be good for the next coach in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, what's the point if you're if you're Nikki Collin, you you got to go go after someone who's going to help you more than that immediately. I think even if it means trading someone like Hayes in order to get that or to open the salary to sign that kind of player. And to be clear, I don't think it'd be a good idea to get rid of Nikki Collin, but I just think that's something that could happen. Although, let's be real, ownership in Atlanta is probably not paying attention a whole lot to what's actually happening on the court. Uh, if we, if yeah, we, that's a fair point, yeah. If we're dealing with the owners we, we know about, I don't think they're really going to uh, get too involved in, in what's happening. It seems like uh, she has a great relationship with the, with the general manager at the very least. Um, uh, let's see, who else have we not hit here? Uh, just to make sure everyone's team is mentioned so no one gets mad at us. Oh, Phoenix brought back Diana Taurasi one year at the Supermax price. Resigned Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, $100,000 for the next two years flat. They traded, and this is interesting. Uh, this is a trade that you made, Richard. With uh, They traded uh, for Christina Nigwe, and they sent the number six pick to L.A., um, did you give up something else in that deal? I don't have that written out totally. Yeah, the the second our second round pick, which is number twenty two, I think. So largely a throwing. Yeah, that wasn't a big deal to me. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was that was fairly interesting, uh, just from a asset play perspective. I think LA got definitely the best asset there because I I mean we were talking about this before we got on. Uh, Christina Igwe has potential, it just hasn't really turned out too much but Ben what do you think of uh that deal would you have done it if you're Phoenix because I think the thinking there is to have a, a backup for Griner but I don't know I like Brianna Turner last year would have liked to just kind of ran with those two playing as much as possible no I didn't like that at all for Phoenix it, 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 how like how many years in a row are they going to keep doing this like we get it we was have, realistic have, let's trade a draft pick for another like punt can like how many years in a row can they punt on chances to like, like actually invest in some younger players? And yeah, they have Smith and Turner on the roster, but it just like, it's, I feel like every time they do this though, like it's just going to make it even more painful whenever Tarasi retires. Yeah. Yeah. Like and how are they, how are they even, I'm looking at it right now. How can they even fill out? A, and this is the, this is the reality. It's not, it's not a shot at what Clay did, but it's like, how can you even fill out a roster when the the number they have Walker Kimbrough at, and then that that's five players, and then if you have six minimums, you have like thirty thousand dollars left to play with. So you can give one player a little bit more than the minimum. I mean that's that's the problem with that Hartley deal that everyone started to talk themselves into when she was having a good good season last year. But under this new cap system, four players making max super max. It's hard to fill out the roster if you're going to have that that much of a top-heavy top four, and whether you can afford to have Bria Hartley be one of those four is is still a question. Even after she was playing quite well last season, well, I still like that for them as long as they're actually going to play the three guards. I, I think that is more the the way to frame yeah. it. Like if they aren't, if Hartley actually wasn't going to play a lot, then it becomes a problem. And you can also you can also get into whether you think that's the best way for them to try to win. But it's very clear that like what Sandy Brondello wants Bria Hartley to do, that that was, that was, you know, a good talent identification by them. But to the point, but to my point too, it's like, why didn't like, 
like I get that I seem to like Jocelyn Willoughby more than most people, but it's like just keep the pick last year and keep Jocelyn mm-hmm. Willoughby, someone mm-hmm. that can defend and make threes, and is like a big forward. Isn't that what they need on this team? But they can't get that in free agency. Yeah. Well, I think they get. I, I think I think what you were saying at the beginning is like they just get so myopic on this year. We've got to win this year because it's Tarasi's last year or it's close to Tarasi's end or this might be the year that she falls off. And it's like, yes, sure. That's not, I'm not, I think it's not a terrible idea, but you can't continue mortgaging the future so much to the point that you're getting in the situation where now it's like you have to continue mortgaging the future because you've already done it too many times. Yeah. I just, and I, I think like, I just think, I don't think, I don't like the decision they made on Walker Kimbrough either because Mm -hmm. we already saw it this year. Like, what's she going to do? She's just going to stand in the corner and wait to shoot threes. And if you're going to re-sign her for a big deal, you know, you you acquire her when you know she's going to be a restricted free agent as opposed to trying to draft somebody or find another avenue for a younger player. But now you're going to pay her just, you can find somebody to stay in the corner. Shea Petty can stay in the corner. Like, Shea, that's what I was going to say. That's exactly that what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Walker Kimbrough isn't changing your life as a, this wing stopper. You know, she, I mean, she isn't very, she isn't by any means like this, even an above average, like plus defender. And she, like, she's smaller than Diggin Smith. So she's mm-hmm. not even like this, someone with like small forward size. So like, Maybe they can, like, maybe Yvonne Turner's healthy and they can bring her back and they can basically yeah. get the same thing. Like, they're, they're just walking a really tight line here. And even to the to the backup center point, like, I think they over, like, I think over somebody like Anigwe, who I think has a lot, a long ways to go as a player still, if she's if you're counting on her, bring back Kiavon. Like, Kiavon yeah. was really good. Like, Turner, like, to Turner's credit, she was a big part of that. But it was Vaughn who was just... In, you know, one clearly in great shape to be running up and down, playing all these minutes and just setting screen after screen after screen and actually being okay with it, by the way. But then also like she gives you some toughness inside. Like she knows how to play. She, there's clearly a big trust level there with the Tarasi. Like I think Vaughn is going to have to be, uh, you know, somebody they're really going to have to, to make sure they leave room for. Yeah. I thought, I thought about Vaughn as a, as a, a potential, uh, person I would go after we didn't get we didn't have enough time to really do her but um I back thought New to, York would back to New York back to New York baby why not um we have a ton of space and we could use a vet um but yeah I thought I thought it was I, I thought that was that was my calculus too it's like Kiavon was good for us last year you know even if even if Griner's not here for whatever reason we can figure out something that's better than than getting rid of our first round pick for a player who um who could be good but she's not good right now, so why why give up on something that also could be good in the future? Yeah, and I think part of the attraction was that um, Anigwe is still on the, the 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 zero to two year minimum, so she's only on fifty eight grand next year. Whereas Vaughn is going to cost you at least the vet minimum of seventy and maybe more to actually get her to come. But mm-hmm. I agree, you, you find a saving somewhere else. Like you don't sign Walker Kimbrough and you you go to a Shea Petty or someone instead. And then you you keep the pick would would be my preference there. Yeah, I was I was happy to take that trade as LA and and get a get a piece that that might might be part of our future. Actually, drafting as high as six is unusual for LA, so that would that would be a nice bit. Even in a draft that no one knows anything about, really, no one knows what you, what you're going to get anywhere in this in this class. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, quickly, let's go. We, we got to go to Indiana. 
Um, we talked about their trade with Dallas to get Alicia Gray. Um, they got Sammy Whitcomb as well on a two-year, $150,000 contract both years, so that's $300,000. Same for Erica Wheeler, same contract. Um, I thought they did well. I thought they did well. I think they're um, – I don't think they're a championship team, but I think I agree with Ben that they're probably going to get bounced in the first round. But uh, in terms of what their goals are, what their goals seem to be, I think they did pretty well here. I really like Kayla Thornton. I think she can be she can be a really solid player. Um, and I think Sammy Wickham get, gives them something. But did they move the needle much for you, Richard, what Indiana did? I think it was the right kind of approach from Kevin. In you, you take the swings at the stars in terms of you, you try and get a Necker or a Chelsea Gray or whoever else might be available. And then if you don't get them, then you try and make sort of smaller improvements with younger players. Because, I mean, what they really need is for McCowan or Cox or, so, or someone like that to, to, to jump, to make a leap. Because this is a, this is a, in a team with with quite a few good players, but no great ones at all at this point. And you, you need the stars to, to really win and be a genuine contender in this league. They, you they, need, a they, they need a difference maker in the front court, kind of just like New York. And the, we didn't get to, we didn't get to like Natalie Achanwa in this exercise, but I, I'm assuming that Pelton's direction and then Candace Dupree ends up walking was that, who, who Indiana also didn't get to, uh, that the direction is like, hey, we need to actually like clear the way and just let Cox and McCowan play because they must have drafted Cox with the idea that they're going to play her and McCowan together. Well, you got to do it a little bit more than they did now over over whatever perceived odds you think you have at making the playoffs, which la- which this season was zero, you know, if that, if that was what they were thinking. I didn't understand. But I guess, I guess now you're looking at Erica Wheeler, Kelsey Mitchell, Alicia Gray, Cox and McCowan, and then you've got Harrison as your main backup big, Sammy Whitcomb as a backup guard. They also have Tiffany Mitchell, though, and Kayla Thornton. But you know that's depth, and then Julie Aleman at the point guard if she if she comes back. So, oh, yeah. I mean, maybe we can get to get to this at the end too. But I think if you look at the eight playoff teams, like who's going to actually take a step back? Uh, I would I would uh, I would push kind of push that same push that same button to a te- to a team like Indiana of, of what what do you think this did for you? Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's touch on New York quickly. Uh, New York re-signed Amanda Zowie B, $125,000 um, for the next two years. We signed Chinea Gumake to a $150,000 contract for this year, um, mainly offering her studio space in, in New York for her many uh, ESPN appearances. Um, yeah, I, so with New York, I didn't really have like a, a tremendous plan because I still think – I know they're going to they, – they've said that they want to be aggressive in free agency, and I'm sure they will be. Um, but I don't think they're willing to really short-circuit the rebuild. And I don't think they should. I think they should continue to kind of kind of go in this rebuild, continue to get better, figure out who fits around Sabrina. Um, so I was not, like, super keen. I was not super disappointed to not get any of the big names I chased. Um, but I don't – I just don't – I don't see much uh, – how many people are going to New York without seeing a full season of Sabrina before, before committing to a team that won two games last year? 
and then you got you got the uh, you got the roster crunch decisions too. Yes. You know we did we didn't mm-hmm. get to we didn't get to Rebecca Allen. Is that correct? In we did not uh, in the podcast. So if you if you factor in Allen and the number one pick, you, you're you're at sixteen names. Yeah, we're not forgetting yeah, anybody. I'm, so four people. That's that that might be that might get pretty tough, and that's gonna have that's probably gonna have to at least be one of one one member of last year's draft class. Yeah, I well at this point, even without Allen, who I don't know. I mean, maybe Allen is like gonna go gonna come later. Uh, Johannes may come later. That's kind of I, I would think that's what they were wishing is gonna happen is that they don't have to make those decisions until you know after the Olympics yeah. happen. Um, but it, so if those two things happen, they only have to cut one person, but we're still cutting someone that we have either just drafted or, uh, you know, a Kia nurse who is not, we're not going to be able to trade Kia nurse for anything that we want. So it's kind of, well, do we get rid of her now? Do we see what she does? Um, and you have Asia Dura as well. So yeah, someone's going to have to get cut. It's going to be a lot to do. And I'm glad we didn't get to it in this exercise because I really didn't. I don't have a plan for what happens in training camp um, for all these players. And I'm, I'm sure uh, New York will have a much better plan than whatever I have uh, in, in this exercise. I'm, I'm glad you didn't trade nurse. I mean, I think there was, I think there was a, a little bit too much, too much uh, focus on, on her shooting numbers this year. I mean, mm-hmm. they were at, they were asking her to be a number one option. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. What's the C like that? Like they were just, they had to ask so much of her and, on a good team, she's like four or five. You're four or five options. So yeah. I wasn't too worried about that. I think I think nurses, I think nurse is going to be a good player. I want to extend nurse to be honest, because I think you know now is the time to get a good deal on this. Because next year she's going to look better. She's going, regardless of how good she looks, she's definitely going to look better next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean to be clear, I don't. I don't dislike Nurse as much as it sounded like I, I did in no. a couple of the covers we had during the podcast. I, I do think she, she has her qualities and yeah, she'll be a useful player on a team where where she's a supporting act rather than being asked to to lead a lead a scoring offense, which I think we we saw she's not she's not equipped really to do at this level on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't wasn't trying to take a shot, a failed shot at you there. Uh, we, I, we totally agree. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I was just just trying to. Ma- so I, I don't get the the, the Kia Nurse fans coming after me because yeah, there's probably a few of them out there. So yeah, so for New York too now. So now I think the interesting thing is, I think looking like at all their wing players, like uh, you know they they started Leon Odom basically all the season. Mm-hmm. So you would just think that they must really like her. So. Yeah. I think Megan Walker becomes a really, a really interesting player because, you know, like what could you even take from her season? Like having, having COVID and then when she was playing, like all of her, all of her jumpers, you just saw it, they were flat. She just didn't have her legs. And you can understand that she wasn't in camp. She showed up late. So I think Walker, what happens with her is the interesting thing. And then I think the other thing is the dynamic of Johannes and Asia Durr together, because who do they think is better out of those two with the factor of just like what do you what do you know about Johannes you know is it is it year to year just like what in terms of her availability because like right now what we've seen at the professional level Johannes is a better player mm-hmm. but that's not really Tanakh Durr who just didn't play this year and, and you know had and then her rookie season got hurt too but 
that's uh, I think that those two players are it's going to be a pretty interesting season. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I think um, I don't know. I mean, maybe you try to also sell high on Jasmine Jones, although I I really like Jasmine Jones. I think she's good for for what they're trying to do. But maybe you say, hey, this is the time to to you have to get rid of someone, and she may bring the best value back. So um, I'm glad I didn't have to make those those decisions. I just have to deal with the free agents. Um, which was kind of the easy part of their off season. Um, but I do wonder if they're going to try to handle that up front or if they're going to see what happens in training camp um, in New York. But Yeah, well, and, and one more thing, too, not to blabber on New York here, but, like, like, what's the vision, too, right? Because they signed, do you want to play Sabrina and more, like, two wings? Because, you know, that's why I mentioned, like, during Johannes, like, they're shooting guards. Like, like the, they're one-position players. So if you really want another point guardy kind of player, you know, obviously they, they have Clarendon under contract for another year, but you know, are they even going to consider a point guard in the draft? You know, we mentioned like Jasmine Thomas, but you know, if you have Clarendon under contract, but if they, if they feel they need or they would prefer someone else that's handling the ball a lot, then that also kind of weakens, you would think it kind of weakens your trading position. If you have all these wings, but you're not, you're, you also basically have like, one and a half rotation spots to actually give all those players minutes. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, they have a lot. They have a lot to. I mean, I, I hope. I think you'd hope like Lady Clarendon's just gonna kind of go with the flow, and she's gonna be cool with, you know, whatever situation is. But I I, I don't know that. Um, yeah, so I don't. I I don't necessarily. I was just trying to get get someone who we could sell as. Hey, here's another person. Um, before you know we we get to we get to whatever we have to we actually have to do um but yeah i think they they have a lot of they have a lot of stuff on the table so uh to wrap up here uh i want each of you to say who you think um let's say let's say who you think did the best and then uh who did the worst so we are we are gonna have to call each other out here um do you want me to start is that is that the look did we here, did we uh did we do Connecticut and Chicago at all, though? I mean, kind of in, in bits and pieces. We we we, we brushed over part the Parker Max, um, and we talked to, briefly about uh, Alyssa Thomas and Jasmine Thomas. We didn't talk about the rest of uh, Connecticut stuff though with Bree Jones. Yeah, you I mean, both both teams are pretty capped out, and especially Chicago, they already have a pretty pretty close to a full roster. So, but I guess just I brought that up just as a hedge. Yeah, we. I mean, I think they just didn't do all that much, so they're not as interesting in this conversation. I think the team, though, Chicago, it's the same team. So I think people are going to be right back on the bandwagon. I'm sure there's some people that are going to talk themselves into Chicago as a as a championship contender. I don't necessarily think they're wrong, but I'm I'm not among them um, necessarily. Uh, so who who do you think? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to put Richard on the spot. Um, who do you think did the best <laughs> this offseason? We'll start with the best. We don't have to do the worst if we don't want to. But uh, Who did the who best? Did the best? Yeah. You can pick yourself, one of your teams, if you want to. I mean, I, I thought we did okay in both cases. LA got to bring our main pieces back, and Minnesota added a good player. But I, the thing is, most teams are bringing back pretty much everyone, so it's hard to, to say who the, did Indiana obviously made the one big splashy move in the Alicia Gray trade. And I do think that was a nice move. But 
as we just talked about, I still don't think the squad is that good. It may well not even be a playoff team with the roster that's got together. So I don't know whether you can say they did great. It depends on where you're, where you're coming from. Um, maybe we could, maybe we like, could reshift it to who made their team. But that's the same thing. Who made their team better? You know? I was going to say, I like what you did with Washington in managing to get nearly everyone back. Obviously, you lost powers, which is could be an issue. But you managed to hold on to, to most of a core that I think they're going to struggle to hold on to. Yeah. No, I, I liked what I did, obviously. Um, I am mad. I, now that you guys mentioned the idea of trading, like I didn't really consider trading uh, Heinz Allen. That would have made, that would have made my life a lot easier. Um, but I think, I think the teams who brought, you know, if you're a championship team and you bring back your core players, I think that's great. Seattle did great. I think Connecticut did well. Um, I think DC did fine. I, you know, I think those teams that are at the top, Las Vegas as well, you know, you bring back, you're adding Liz Cambacia, a team that just made the, the finals last year, and Tiana Hawkins, who is a player who has finals experience. So those are the teams to me that, you know, hey, it didn't, it's not a lot. You didn't do a ton, but you brought back a team that can win a title. And I think if you remain in that conversation year in, year out, you're doing really well. Um, yeah, and if, if you're already good, then you, you don't want to be splashy. You don't want to make, make something that's going to make headlines if you're already a good team. Yeah. You, you want the quietest offseason possible when you're a good team. Um, I did I, – I really, really like the uh, Minnesota signing aerial powers. I, I just think that's – that's a good, that's a really good fit into what they're trying to do. And I think she's right on their timeline. Um, if you can, if you take that timeline from the Fisa Collier's point of view, like that's a player that's going to be huge for them going forward. Um, especially if Zandal can come over, that's the one. Um, sad though, that we don't really, I mean, we, Maya Moore is not in this exercise. I hope we do eventually see her play basketball again, but I liked what Minnesota did too. Uh, ben, do you have, do you have anyone do you really like what they did? I think the winner has to be LA just because they kept the big three and Sykes and it might. So now it might get scary if Maria Vadiva doesn't play and then you got to mm. you know, somehow find a third big, but you know, it like when, when the downside is you lose one of those players and you might not necessarily like get, you know, enough to then be like a championship caliber team like that obviously has to be the winner and I think that's I mean I think that's the team everyone's watching more than the others too just like what what are those three players going to do so especially when with the element that Candace can't be cored and then one of Chelsea or NECA can't be cored either or so and, and then you know someone could really throw a wrench in there if they made a big offer to Sykes so I think that has to be the winner above the rest yeah and you and and two top 10 picks to fill out the roster and just have, you know, you'll get at least bodies, right? Um, so I think that I think LA is up there too. And it's a sort of a similar idea with Seattle that Kevin managed there as well in that, you know, we're, we're looking there and wondering whether they're going to be able to bring Howard and Clark back. And it's maybe going to be a little bit more difficult than, than he found it in our exercise, but, but he got it done for us. So again, Seattle have kept basically everyone from a championship team together. I think I think there'll probably be more stuff, more monkey wrenches. I think we talked about this at the end of the mock off season pod. Like, there's going to be more monkey wrenches in here than we could plan out because we just don't know who wants to really leave their situation. Because um, yeah, know, I think I think as outsiders, you kind of assume like most people want to go back to the good situations they're in, but we don't know. We don't know what's on the table. Um, 
So any final thoughts here? We're at like an hour and a half, so we should probably uh, let the let the good people who are listening to us go. Um, if you're if you've been here, we really appreciate it. Oh, you should follow her hoop stats on Twitter at her hoop stats. Subscribe to our newsletter, uh, herhoopstats.substack.com. Uh, we do some good stuff. Ben has his own newsletter. It's called Floor Game. It's awesome. Floorgame.substack.com, right? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Well, can, I, awesome. can, I, can I pose a question of a, a quick one to end on is yeah. two-parter. Rank, rank the four lottery teams in terms of how you think they might finish based on what they did. And then if, if you were maybe – you, maybe you just think the, the playoff field is, is rock solid to be the same barring injury. But if there were a team or two – you you think are in most danger of falling out? How would how would you uh, how would you stack that up? Okay, uh, I'll go first since I made Richard go first last time. Um, as far the bottom four, I'd put Dallas in terms of being good, so top down. Uh, Dallas, then Indiana, then Atlanta, then New York. Um, I think Indiana Indiana got markedly better with Alicia Gray and Kayla Thornton. Um, I just think Dallas, you know, Arike's trajectory, Satu's trajectory, I think Bell's going to be better next year. Like, that team has a much higher ceiling. I think Arike can kind of push them up further. Um, And in terms of whether any of those teams could make the playoffs, um, I could see the Mercury, you know, dropping out if, if Tarasi finally takes a step back. I don't know if that's going to happen. I probably wouldn't bet on it, but I could see the Mercury falling out. Um, and then, no, I mean, I, I think the rest for me are pretty ironclad barring injury. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, see, I don't see any of those other, those other eight teams falling out. I don't necessarily see Phoenix falling out, but if I had to pick one, that'd be the team, and I'd replace them with Dallas. I could see maybe Chicago going backwards. We don't know what, what, what's going on with the Shields and what sort of shape she's going to be in, assuming she shows back up to play for Chicago next season. Um, you know, Vandersloot and Quigley, another year older. We don't know whether Parker's necessarily coming back, or she, she did in this scenario. But, yeah, so they could maybe slide backwards and, and let someone else in. I, I would agree that Dallas looked the most likely of the four to take a step forward. They've got... Basically, they've got young players who've already shown, shown signs that they might become stars, whereas everyone else has mostly got young players, and you're, you're still hoping to see it. You st- apart from Ian obviously, we, we already expect to be good even after only playing about three games. But apart from that, everyone else is still living more on hope than Dallas are, whereas they've got a couple of players who we already... You can see, you can see the, the shoots coming up there. Um, but apart from that, yeah... It, Mostly the good teams still look good and the bad teams still look bad. Yeah, how about, how about that? I, I, I'm a, I would also rank Dallas above Indiana. So take that, Pelton. We're still better than you. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I have Atlanta above Indiana too. So Atlanta, Dallas, okay. pretty close. And yeah, if you're going to raise a concern with one team, I, I agree. I think it might have to be Phoenix. I think just because they just need Tarasi to be the same player as she continues to age. And, and you know, just... Hartley, maybe they have to take it slow a little bit coming back from the injury, and, and, and they're, they're so top-heavy just because of how they're structured. And we'll obviously see it. So, yeah, that, uh, it's – like, we had – like, again, it's just like I know, I know people just 
love the idea of these flashy headlines, but I always feel like I'm the boring one, like bringing up like one, some of these teams are on a breaking point when like, it's just like players asking out and like, you can't just assume that that's this amazing thing that players are moving because the free agency will allow some more movement, but like, it's still gonna have to get to that point. And all these franchises aren't like the NBA selling for billions of dollars when they come up. And, and then if teams keep it together, maybe we have the same lottery next year too so yeah hopefully i mean yeah i don't know maybe maybe change is good maybe change is bad because the last two playoffs have been pretty fun at least in my opinion um so maybe it's a good thing that we're gonna we're, we're looking like it's gonna be more or less stable um but yeah that is that is our off-season recap we almost went as long as the mock off-season itself and that's what we're going to bring to you during free agency this season, baby. Long talks about a lot of things at once. Um, hopefully we have a lot of stuff to talk about coming up in the next couple months because 2020 is almost over and we'll be getting into the 2021 offseason quicker than we, ex- than we expect right now. So, um, Ben, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Uh, Richard, thank you for coming on. And uh, we will be talking to you guys soon. Hope you guys have a lovely New Year's and potentially Christmas, depending on when we post this, if you celebrate either of those two things. So everyone stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.